In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we made it. It's Friday. It's a beautiful day. You got the weekend coming up. You're probably going to be in the arms of someone you love. The birds are singing. The sun is shining. Maybe you have a silver lining. I don't know. But I brought today at least a silver lining, a ray of sunshine, the only, the one and only Jenna Longmire. You may have seen her profile. You may have heard her music before. She's a... MSLPC priestess guide, divine feminine mentor, singer, songwriter, spiritual person, creative person, guest on the True Life podcast. So thankful you're here today. Jenna, how's it going? It's going really good, George. I am excited to talk about all these juicy things that create create life, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's It's having the ability to tap into the the world that's speaking to us, through us sometimes. And, you know, sometimes the best way just to begin is just to maybe get a background on somebody. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to be where you are. And I'll just, I'll leave it there and let you start wherever you want to. Okay, sure. Um, I know you, you like to hear kind of an origin story and there's of course several along the way, but I would say, one of my first mystical experiences was in kindergarten and I was had the opportunity to perform and recite a poem. So I picked Owl and the Pussycat and I think I was in a state of ecstasy. Like I remember being so engrossed in that story that I was just kind of obsessed and, you know, in another world. So I think that was the beginning of it for me. It's like someone, you know, handed me the microphone and I was like, yeah, you know, um, but then later in life, um, I think post-college and, and grad school, like in my 20s, in the 90s, um, I moved to Tucson, Arizona from Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I really wanted to learn about um, healing. Like my, my, my whole goal was to in, naively save, save the world, right, you know, as a young 
therapist and healer. And, and so I really landed in a good spot for me. Um, at that time, Andrew Weil was there um, mm. directing the Center for Integrative Medicine at the U of A. And I was a new therapist, you know, really um, gung-ho. Uh, but I discovered very quickly um, from working with, you know, very fringe types of groups early on in my career, um, impoverished groups, minority groups, mm -hmm. uh, severely mentally ill, children in the system. Like I kind of did all of that fringy kind of right. in the field, social work stuff and discovered really quickly that, you know, this is a systemic problem. This, we, we are very much lacking a connection with spirit. Like, yeah. you know, I really saw how we were just missing the boat kind of, you know, talking yeah. about politics and psychology and, um, all of that's really good education um, and all of that's really important for, for uplifting people. But I was like, well, what about the spiritual? Because I, like, I feel like if we don't have that, then what do we have? You know, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. so that was just my entry point and beginning of my own search for my own healing um, and talk therapy wasn't enough yeah. for me <laughs> like very quickly i was like yeah this talking thing isn't doing yeah. it <laughs> yeah it's it seems on some level it's good to have our voices heard and good to hear other people but there, without that spiritual connection it's it, it feels like you're missing something and what a great way for you to get to and be embraced by that spirit or or be sit with it is just to help out other people. Sometimes that act of healing and helping other people is something that makes that spirit obvious to you. Like maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Like what was it like working with these different groups and what, what was spiritual about it? Yeah, it was, it was very spiritual. I always saw that work as a spiritual calling. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, it goes back to, and I'm not even like a really a Bible study person, but where two or more are gathered, yeah, where I am. And so for me, just coming in and helping was a way, you know, we were joining in relationship and, yeah. and, calling, and calling in the divine. I mean, I always saw it that way, whether my clients were spiritually oriented or not. I mean, that's, that's the way I saw it. And so I, I, I started when I started doing energy work and breath work and those other modalities. Um, that was when I really uh, felt the the bigger openings for people. But but that was almost kind of like a luxury, you know, for for mm -hmm. the people I was serving who were, you know, in the in the system. Let's say um, that that wasn't even really available to them. So I really wanted to try to you know, my spiritual calling was to try to kind of bridge the worlds, you know, that that's kind of always yeah. been a thing for me, like walking between the worlds of, you know, Western psychology and spiritual healing, where there's maybe some judgment of one another <laughs> in either of those camps, um, but really seeing the need for both. Yeah, that's well said. I think it comes down to this bridge between science and spirit. And you're right. There is sort of this wedge between these two camps, but you know, and everything we've talked about so far and what I hear in your voice is this, 
unique understanding of relationship, whether it's your relationship to the world, the relationship to spirit, the relationship to other people, the relationship you feel when you're around other people. And it seems like that is, you know, your relationship to creativity, your relationship to the divine. Like it's kind of all about relationships, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. You took the words right out of my mouth. And I think that's where the divine feminine comes in. Okay. You know, cause she is in my mind anyway, in the way I experience the divine feminine is very much about relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so it's about, we're all connected all the time. So you can't get away from, from it coming back around to relationship, even if it's just you, you know, even if it's just my relationship to myself, what am I saying to myself right now? Mm -hmm. How am I treating myself right now? Um, 100% agree. It's all about, it's all about relationship. And then you kind of build, I think on that, starting with the relationship with yourself um, and then the relationship to the divine, um, mm -hmm. which we're not really taught that we're usually taught to take care of everybody else and put ourselves last. But I think if we put ourselves first and then create our relationship with the divine, then when we connect, wow, like, that is true intimacy, true, you know, true connection rather than what I'm kind of seeing a lot of, which is more superficial, which is, yeah, is not, it's, not what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. I sometimes when I think of the divine feminine, like I think of that sort of that ability to help us see ourselves as one in some way in which, you know, my mom or the, much like you, I probably come from a family. Of, I, I come from a family of strong women, probably much like you. And there was some, there was some sort of divine spiritual nature about my mother where she was able to always know when me and my sister were up to no good. You know, she, she had this ability to, no, we were about to fight over the middle cinnamon roll or, you know, she, she always knew. And in some ways it's that relationship I had with her that I still feel I have with the planet where like, I feel like the planet knows kind of what's best for me. And if I just take time to listen and watch nature, that the truths are revealed to me. What is, what do you think about that description as divine feminine? Or, or maybe you can flesh it out a little bit more. Like what, when you think of divine feminine, is there a feeling you get? Is there an emotion you get? Is there an idea about relationships? Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I really identify with what you shared about your mother's sense of knowing and intuition. Because right. that is very much to me part of part of divine feminine and what she brings to the table is this innate wisdom, intuitive gifts um, that come in all forms. And the moms just know, right? The moms know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, nature is our teacher. Um, and I think what's a good distinction to make between divine feminine and when you think about nature, that's very much in the world, right? That is right. imminent, it is physical, it's physicality, it's material, um, it's flesh, it's the elements, you know. So I feel like divine feminine teachings that, that, that the God is in us, eminent in the flesh, is what has gotten 
kind of written out of or pushed out of uh, religion, organized mm -hmm. religion to a big extent. It, it's, it's kind of put this barrier between us and God, so to speak, um, where we have to go to some intermediary when it's us, it's yeah. the world, it's everything. Um, to me, that's, that's where divine feminine comes in is reminding us that it's like here, it's right here with us all the time. And we just forget, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day ideas of, okay, I got to provide for my family. I have to make my kids breakfast and dinner and make sure their homework's done and get them to bed and brush their teeth. And they got a cavity and it's just like, ah, it's so easy to spiral out of control and lose control of the idea that we are all part of a giant miracle. And if you just take time to sit back for a moment, for me, I like to go out and I'll just sit on my, my back porch or I'll go for a walk. And usually that's enough to ground me to look around and realize, wow, I'm part of this giant organism in the same way that this apple tree grows apples, the earth is growing people. And it helps me to see other people in a, in a, kind of a Jungian psychology type of way where I'm like, that's me trying to, you know, in some ways I think we can learn from everybody. And I think that's the divine nature of it too, is that everybody you see is a way for you to see yourself. Cause we all have these problems and we're all working through issues and we're all celebrating little wins, hopefully, and, and finding ways to do it. And another thing I think it inspires is this idea of creativity, which you seem to have an abundance of, Maybe you could talk about your relationship between creativity and femininity and spirituality, or maybe you can give us some tips there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the creative, I think about the creative process as very receptive, right, right. Um, which is a, which is a feminine trait, let's say receptivity. Um, so we we sit down to create or we we call in the muse right. how do we do that and we receive right we receive the inspiration the ideas um and if you've ever read elizabeth gilbert's book big magic i i, I love that because she talks about it as like these creative ideas flying around the universe and then whoever happens to grab it you know if you don't grab it someone else might you know yeah. so we might even have two people on different sides of the world kind of with the same idea sometimes so um if we grab that creative idea and we bring it through us then it becomes our unique signature mm -hmm. on that creation so i might take the same idea and and create something out of it whereas you would take the, that idea and do something completely different with it you know so that's that's the where we co-create with the divine. Um, so I just feel like that was kind of how I got introduced to the divine was through the creative process and really losing my sense of self, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we we like to do, right? Is kind of forget about our ego for, for a little while and just be one with the flow of of, of whatever's coming through you. So um yeah, I recognized that for me early on as a big part of my spiritual practice is, is to create. Um, and that can even be like, you know, making your meal could become yeah. a spiritual creation. So. Do you feel it's like a muscle, like the, like it's a system or a process, like the more you begin to come familiar with it, the better you get at it. 
I think so. I think it's really just getting out of our own way because most mm. of us have pretty heavy critical voice, uh, perfectionist, perfectionistic. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I um, remember making art um, just not really caring, you know, really just ah, this is just fun. And then later it got to be kind of this, well, this has to be something right. that I am going to you know, monetize, or I'm going to put it out into the world and it has to be a certain way, you know? And so I think that's the part that gets in the way and shuts us down as we think we get ahead of ourselves thinking of how, how is this going to appear to others when it's really the process itself. And then with songwriting, I really do feel like once we get the song and we release it into the world, you know, we record it, release it, whatever, perform it, um, it's it's the world's song, you know. It's no longer ours. We were just the vehicle to get it out there, um, and same with other things like writing and pieces of art. It's like once it's out of us, then it then it's the gift, right? Yeah, that's so beautiful. I, I love it. It's in some ways, it's like we're the we're the icing on the cake, or we're the oven that bakes it. But I like the I like the one you use about being a vehicle and and how we create this thing and then put our signature on it and give it to the world. When I, I speak to a lot of different authors and sometimes they'll tell me things like, Oh, you know, George, when I was writing this book, I felt as if something was writing through me. Do you feel that way when you're writing songs or when you're creating things? I do. Yes. It's great when that happens. <laughs> sometimes it's kind of a struggle, you know, right. Like, oh, I can't quite find this, but yeah, there's times when it's just boom. And I'm like, yeah, that is, that's, special when that happens <laughs> yeah is there a way that you you ever sit down and sometimes people sit down and they're like okay i'm gonna write this and then they're just like do 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 what's my cat doing or you know what i think you start thinking about these other things and you get caught up and some people have trip tips and tricks and some people say if you just sit there long enough it'll come to you and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but what what is your experience with that do you have any tips or tricks to help coax the spirit or is there like a ritual you do or is there something that helps you get into the creative mood you know, I, as much as I love it, I still struggle with getting myself to sit down and do it. Um, mm -hmm. So the ritual is really for me just getting my ass in the seat in my studio right. <laughs> and, and making the time. And, and, you know, this is sacred time. You know, this is like, right. you know, I'll meditate, I'll do yoga, I'll do all the other things. But why that? Why that's so hard, I think, is because it forces us to really get in touch with, with what's going on. For me, anyway, it's emotional. Um, yeah. And so I have to be prepared to dig into what's there. Um, and, you know, I'm sure it's different for different people, but I write from an emotional place. That's just that's just what inspires me is mm -hmm. usually... Sometimes it's a story or a visual image, but a lot of times it's just kind of an internal emotional state that will start me out. So we can kind of have resistance to maybe getting that that deep sometimes. But yeah, especially if you're going to write about something really personal or something's trying to work through you in a way that was painful. It's it's sort of this double-edged sort of creativity where you're taking this painful thing and you are coaxing the beauty out of something ugly 
And that is a painful thing to do, but and in some ways, like I, I could understand why that would be difficult to get in that seat. Cause it's not, now you're back at this idea of like, okay, I got this, I got this thing. I'm going to sit in that seat and I got to relive this experience and, you know, try to mm -hmm. coax this beauty out of here. And, but I think that that, that's something that should be talked about. Like the creative process isn't always something that is full of sparkles and rainbows, right? A lot of the times that, that creative healing is a manifestation of changing something difficult into something palatable, right? That's exactly right. In fact, what'll happen is there'll be kind of a healing transmute transmutation experience around it. Um, yeah. And what started out as a painful, maybe emotion that you want to work with, it ends up kind of being the healing. Like, I mean, I know a lot of songwriters that I know it keeps them sane, literally. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. it's, you know, it blows me away to think about that too. As you're, as you're saying that, how many of the songs that we have heard in our life that we all probably have our personal favorites have become therapy for us. And that must mean that the person that wrote it figured out a way to deal with it. And in some way, the siren song is the way in which it's the call to us to heal. The same way the sirens call to Odysseus from the rock, so too is the singer-songwriter, like yourself singing a song for us to pay attention to and be called to healing in some ways. And it's so beautiful because it just makes me realize how... It brings us back to the, the, the divine feminine or the idea of spirituality, that the act of creating is calling to other people, inviting them to see a way in which you've solved a problem. It's pretty beautiful when you begin thinking about it, how deep it is. It really is. I think it's the medicine mm. for the world right now, honestly, um, is, is music, art, uh, I mean, all of it. I mean, for me in particular, I think sound carries such a frequency um the human voice just there's something about sound that really does it for me i know for some people it might be visual art but um i feel like that is truly what we need and then there's something about kind of going back to indigenous roots in the divine feminine and in you know more indigenous spirituality where that's what we did to celebrate. We sang, we danced around the fire, we did ritual together. It was live, you know, it was very present in the moment, uh, expression of devotion to the divine. And so I think that's what I'm really being called back into because um, people I think are craving it, honestly. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. I, you know, in a lot of the circles, I, I talk to people who are part of this creator economy, like yourself, you're, you're creating artwork, you're creating something original from a time that is kind of devoid of rituals and everything that you've just spoken about, sound healing, singing, dancing around a fire. You know, we're talking about community and camaraderie and rites of passage and those have been absent for so much of our lives that we've kind of forgotten how important they are. You know, it's sometimes you're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't need to go camping for the weekend. I'm not going to go do that. But in reality, it's probably getting back to nature is one of the most healing things you can do for your soul just to extract yourself from this world of monotony out there. The things you're doing, I think they're doing that in some ways. 
I think you're calling people to rewild themselves. And I think that's what singer-songwriters and, and people who find ways to heal through the divine feminine and be a mentor are doing. What is there how maybe you could talk about the relationship between being a like a female mentor and a creator. What what is how is that working? Are there certain women that you're that you're moving to mentor or how are those things going together? Yeah, I think um I think women and men, well, everyone, women and men um, are looking for, I think, what what I stumbled onto through through a series of events that pushed me there. But like, I want to create my life in a different way. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, because I had a really wonderful looking life. Like, I mean, anyone would have looked at me and gone like, well, she's got it made like. But but why was I dissatisfied? You know, what what was right. what was missing for me? And so I think that's who I'm drawing into to work with are people that are going. Um, yeah, there's something missing here. Um, I I. I'm not sure what it is. And I and I think we're just so used to following kind of the cultural box of, you know, what what the culture kind of tells us we should be doing. Um, so I think those of us really challenging those boxes that we're in, even though they're comfortable and they look good <laughs> and they seem fine, um, that's a hard thing. I think that's the hard thing to put our finger on sometimes. And so I think I think people are drawn to this type of divine feminine work or spiritual work, um, just this this deeper soul work, I call mm -hmm. it, um, really um listening deeply to our souls and what we want to create in our lives. So I work with people that are, you know, not necessarily some, I mean, a lot of creatives too, but like scientists, you know, uh, mothers who are stay at home mom, you know, people yeah. that are, that are creating in all kinds of ways. So I don't want to just limit it to arts. Right. Uh, yeah. I think at, at, at our soul, we're all creators. You know, when you think about, the whether whatever divinity people believe in whether it's jesus or the mother earth the gaia buddha allah whatever whatever creation story you believe in you know think about the word recreation and then think about the word recreate it's the same word so recreation is recreating something and you know when you're when you're having recreation time you're usually doing something that's kind of creative even if it's just spending time thinking about your life you're recreating your memories you're remembering things and when we do that we're really processing the life we've lived so far and, and so many times that's when a, a, a spiritual awakening or you know so a creative awakening begins to happen is that you've finally processed something long enough where you can begin to move on it what what do you think about awakenings, like spiritual awakenings or a creative journey? What, what's your take when I say that? Yeah, I think those those come from a lot of stillness mm. and reflection. And what you were just describing reminds me of kind of when you were asking about tips for creativity. Yeah, We have to have an, an awakening. I think mm. it's the same. Spiritual awakening yeah. and opening to the muse we have to have downtime and 
this is not accepted in our culture. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about sitting around just, you know, staring out the window, daydreaming. Like we have to have that time. Um, and I know uh, the artist's way, Julia Cameron did that book a long time ago about the artist's way, talking about taking yourself on artist dates um, and spiritual dates, like in nature and mm. doing things that are going to inspire you. So I would say for me, the awakening and the real creative bursts come from lots of downtime, stillness, slowing way, way down and just really allowing myself to be open in kind of a right brain mm. on linear. And this is all divine feminine too. Um, no prescribed, just being in the flow. Um, and that, that can actually take a while. Um, right. And I think that's important to say because people sit down and like, oh, I'm going to go in my studio or I'm going to go sit down and write and they expect it right then. You might have hours of staring and nothing coming. And that's probably because you need to just be for a while. <laughs> I, I mean. Yeah, I like that. I heard a quote one time that was along the lines of inspiration inspiration is there for you but it has to find you working but not necessarily working at like a in a factory somewhere like inspiration it maybe it does but it has to find you being passionate about something you know whether you think whether you look at it like a muse or inspiration as a as an idea that's floating in the ether for us to grab i think that all of these spirits or ideas or conditions are looking for hosts but they have certain parameters that they want that person to have like and it's not, it's never about money. It's always about like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that young lady just pick up that butterfly and put on that flower? Let's go help her out. You know, or it's, it's it's something like that that you can't really describe it. But there's this power bigger that's just waiting to pour into you. I can, in, in my mind, I see these these elves or these entities or these fairies or just this cosmic wind that's surrounding people. Like, come on, do the right thing, do the right thing, and waiting to pour into you. You know, it's it's so fun and beautiful to think about and i see it in you like i see you always smiling and when i look at the songs that you're writing it looks like you're having so much fun like what what role like is, is that like a natural demeanor for you or what is it what's it like being who you are today and and trying to create new songs and help people oh it's it's awesome i mean it's i, I feel like i'm I'm in my true element. Mm -hmm. It's taken me, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. It's taken me a while. Um, I mean, and I think I've been finding it all along the way, right. but um, I am happy and it is blissful. And I guess I, 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 I don't want to be, you know, talking about the dark all the time, but I also yeah. kind of want to, I want to be real about the fact that, that comes from, you know, going into the shadow, deeper mm. work um, that causes those cons those contractions, you know, those, yeah. those periods of maybe, you know, doing some of the work that's not as fun um, that that I mean, because I guess this is the therapist side <laughs> of me. It's like yeah. there's some spiritual sure. bypass 
thing here. You know, it's like we still have to do emotional work to get to those blissful places. Um, and yeah, I I am I am happy when I'm I'm probably happiest when I'm doing music and um you know there's there's songs that I've written that come out of pain and struggle, but it's been transformed through that. So I think I'm a transmuter, you know, an alchemist. And so whether it's healing work I'm doing or creative expression, that sort of feels like just my archetype or what, you know, the um, taking the alchemist, right. Takes, takes something and turns it into something of a higher vibration. Right. Um, Takes, the parts and puts them together in a different way that elevates uh, whatever was there before. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, when I think of alchemy or transmutation or people that have done a lot of healing work on themselves and now other people kind of go to, usually those people have spent a lot of time around really painful things, whether it's someone they love dying or whether it's battling depression themselves or, you know, I think in some ways there's some stories that talk about alchemy being the transmutation of the soul from dark to light. And so many people I know that are really happy have had profound bouts of just melancholy where they couldn't get out of bed or, you know, they lived in a family where they were abused and like, you don't fit, you don't find that out until later. You're like, Oh my, I can't believe it. Like, look at, look at the way this person lives their life. And when you start talking to them, you realize that it was those, that dark night of the soul, or it was that horrific abuse that gave them this positive outlook. And you're like, you have to just stop for a minute and be like, wait a minute, wait just a minute. Are you telling me that that horrible life led you to this world of, abundance and spirit and like that's the stories that we all look at and like wow what a profound outlook on life and it's so sometimes it's very inspiring and also very difficult to understand how such pain can lead such heartache can lead to such bliss but it's it's a it's a true story that runs down the heart of each and every one of us the story of pain and pleasure and inspiration and desperation it's weird how those are intertwined right yeah, it really is. Um, and I, and I believe this is, this is a divine yeah. feminine teaching, you know, that part of <clears throat> what I learned is just in the charge of the goddess, all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals was in the charge of a, a charge of the goddess. And so in our culture, when we say, Oh, well, pleasure is my birthright, you know, pleasure is my divine inheritance. I truly believe that. Um, yet, Again, in our culture, it's seen as kind of this superficial thing, pleasure, when we have to go to the depths of the dark Mm. to even begin, I think, to even appreciate what we have. Unfortunately, it takes that. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to, you know, we'll we'll evolve past needing to do, do it that way. But for whatever reason, I know that was definitely true for me. Um that it was through the pain and through, through trauma and, you know, different, different obstacles that cracked me open. I mean, I just see that that is the way it, it works. Um, yeah. 
Lonnie brings up a good point here. Maybe it's not the abuse or the 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 actual event that happens, but it's the meaning that we ascribe to it. Like, what role? Like, I once heard another great quote that was, "In life, you can't control what happens to you, but you and you alone get to control the meaning of that event." And maybe it's ascribing meaning to things that that changes the outlook of it a little bit. What 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 do you think about the idea of creating meaning around events to change your life? Oh yeah, I think that's really important. Um, and <clears throat> sometimes that doesn't come right away. I know yeah. it, yep. it's like at first it's like, oh God, why is this happening to me? And there's, you know, gosh, we can't help but have some victim mentality around that yeah. sometimes. <clears throat> but I do think the meaning comes in time. Um, it did for me and it was like, oh, wow you know, I didn't realize how unawake I was or unaware, unconscious until this thing came and had to wake me up, so to speak, um, around uh, what is really, you know, what I'm really made of, you know, maybe, you know, it made me realize, I think, the value of our lives and the preciousness of our lives and the decision to not just kind of go through the motions, but to be really proactively creating, uh, you know, co-creating with the divine, the life, the life that we want, the, you know, the life that the divine wants for us. I think it's a two-way street happening there. Um, so I, yeah. I hope I answered your question there yeah of course of course yeah it's when i look back at some of the tragedies in my life and some of the people that i love the most that went way too soon or even you know difficult parts of my life like when you get fired or you lose something or a relationship goes awry everybody has different sets of scenarios that happen to them and they seem like the world is falling down one thing that i that I read a while back that really helped me out was this idea that some things can't be learned. They can only be developed inside of you. And I think when you find yourself up against the rock and back against the wall, like that is something developing inside of you. And Lonnie says that not everybody gets back up like on some level that's true. But I think, I think what's happening inside people is that there's this thing developing in them. And you had mentioned in your language, you said this thing broke and then you saw the light. It was broke. And then all of a sudden you were able to, to create out of that. Something inside of us needs to break in order for us to be reborn in a way to this world to create things, you know, and it, it's that, and, and I think what's horrible and beautiful is that we don't get to decide what it is that breaks us. We don't know. But you can rest assured that there's stuff out there that's going to break you. That good news and bad news. And the good news is you you will be in a position where you can create. The bad news is you're going to have to get broken first. And so it's it's interesting. But if you can look at life like that, and in the midst of the tragedy, maybe a year, two years after you have asked the question, why me enough, maybe you too can remember this conversation where, ah, this is what's developing in me. And then you can ascribe meaning to this thing that's developing in you. And when you do that, you begin to see the world unfold in front of you and understand that this thing that happened to you 
you know, it wasn't something that was trying to hurt you or, or destroy you. It was something that had to be broken in you. So something else could be developed, but it's an interesting thought process, right? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, um, it is the good and bad news. And it's kind of like, well, this is earth school people, you know, yeah. we're here to learn about emotions. I, I believe, you know, like to kind of yeah. handle it, to kind of handle that and to learn to get like what we're learning now, like to get along, to actually collaborate, to not be so divisive. And, um, and then I can't help but notice one of the comments about somebody says, not everybody gets back up. And I, I kind of yeah. want to speak to that. Cause like, yeah, you know, I was, I, I dealt with a lot of my stuff on my own, but like I had a psychotherapist, I had, you know, mentors, healers that I, I went to. So I really think it's, you know, we can, we do, like you said, it has to be done. I think internally on our yeah. own, no one can do it for us, but we can get support because the people that aren't getting back up, I think maybe, maybe, maybe they don't have that, you know, um, Maybe they're too alone. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I think that the help is there for people, but you have to seek it out. On some levels, the world will try to point you in directions, you know, whether you're... You know, I, I've, had, I've had incredible situations where I've been really down and out, and I smiled at someone. We started talking. It turns out they were like a therapist. And like... I think the world is looking for ways to help you if you're willing to receive that information. Some people check out. Some people it gets too much for. And I'm sure all of us in here know people who have committed suicide or heard stories about it. And, you know, that's on some level that hurts everyone around you. And it, it's so unfair and selfish sometimes, you know, to think that you would leave here and leave everybody with the pain. It's a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, but it happens. People check out and they find that the world they're living in is too great for them. And on some level, you know, may maybe it's their right. Maybe you should have the right to check out if life is too much for you. You know, there's no rule that says you have to stick around. And sometimes just that obscure thought of like, yeah, go ahead and do it is enough to break people away from wanting to do it. You know, they're like, what do you mean I can do it? Yeah, go ahead, man. It's all it's your life. Do what you want to do. And people are like, yeah, actually, I don't want to do it. You know, sometimes it's just that it's that weird interaction of giving people permission to do things, and they're like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, life is so it's amazing. So, but you you had touched on something earlier about life as a school. I would like to explore that idea more because I have some similar ideas about it. But maybe you can talk a little bit more about life being a school. Yeah, I think. We're here to learn certain core lessons. Okay. Um, and I'll just use mine as an example. Yeah. Um, it, it's about power. And I'm sure it's a lot about why I'm on this path, uh, divine feminine path, but um, how to stay in my power. So my lessons have been all about relationships, right? <laughs> Back to that. Um, so, for me, it's been, you know, humbling to, you know, keep repeating a pattern maybe mm. that I've seen in myself over and over. And so it's like, okay, there's the lesson. And, you know, there might be more than one, but usually there's right. just really one core thing, one or two, maybe <laughs> um, when you really get down to it. And it's like, for me, it's like 
holding on to my power and learning how to be in relationship without um, giving that power away. Um, for others, it might be not dominating other people, maybe not yeah. trying to control other people. You know, for me, it wasn't, but go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just laughing. I'm like, I agree 100%. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, no. Um, and so the Earth School has been the humbling lesson of just kind of learn it again. Okay, here, here's a different scenario. This looks different, but guess what? It's the same lesson. Oh, darn. You know, I thought I got that. But I try to be realistic with my clients and students in that this is going to go on for the rest of your life. We don't really arrive. I mean, we can be, have our moments feeling really enlightened and, and all of that. And hopefully more and more of those as we age, but ultimately I think we're here to learn these lessons and then we don't need to be here anymore. So to the point of suicide, I think, yes, it's your choice to check out, but I think you're going to have to come back and do it again, honestly. So why not go ahead and get it, get it done in this life? Um, I feel like I've chosen to reincarnate many times in one body. <laughs> and if there's others of you like that. It's like they've yeah. been through a lot. It's like, yeah, maybe we're just doing, we're getting a lot of lifetimes done in this one. You know, I like to yeah. think of that. It's a beautiful way to think about it. It's a beautiful way to think about, growth. And I, I love the idea that you spoke to the idea of life showing you patterns and in my life, the same way too. I, I, I feel like this happens at the school of earth is that life continually throws you the same pitch until you hit it. Like if you can't hit a fastball, it's going to keep throwing fastballs right on the pipe, fastball, fastball, fastball. When you hit it, it's like, okay, here's another one. Okay. You hit it. Here's another one. Okay. You got the fastball. Here comes a curveball now. You know, and it's like life will – you may be at a different job and a different relationship and a different house in a different state, but that same scenario, that same test will be given to you over and over again until you pass it. And I think that's the world's way of teaching you and showing you, like, look, I love you. You're going to pass this test. You're going to keep taking it until you pass it. And once you pass it, you know, then I got another one for you. And sometimes that next step, that growth, that reincarnation in our body can look like failure. You may pass the test and then something, oh, you got fired from your job. Well, did you get fired from your job or did you graduate from that place? Because it can be both, right? It's It can be both and, okay, now that place no longer has anything to teach you. I'm taking you out of there. And you're like, oh, I just lost everything. But really, the earth is setting you up in something better. You just don't know it because you're not familiar with the lessons. And I think, but I love the way you said that. And I think if people can do that, then maybe they can experience what it's like to be reincarnated over and grow and find this new mindset. And I, I really like the idea of the, the earth as a school and we're here to learn. And do you think that where we're going now, if we look at school, this world of chaos that seems to be, you know, cascading down on us right now, like there's some real bright spots, it seems to me. It seems like we are beginning to understand how to grow back together. It seems that we are beginning to re-embrace the, the feminine ideas of what the earth can be and our relationship to the feminine and our relationship to each other. There's some of the bright spots I see growing together. Do you see some bright spots kind of growing out of this chaos? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I've been waiting for this moment my whole life for the shit to hit the fan so we can yeah. get on. With it. Right. <laughs> 
totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, un unfortunately, I hate that it took this, but when you think about humanity's um, repeating pattern of dissension and war and violence, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this has to stop. And I think this, what you're speaking to is, is what it's going to be. I, I, that's why I feel like the divine feminine is so important yeah. to stabilize, to stabilize kind of this out of control power over dominance um, that we've been in for thousands of years now, you know, since recorded history began since that, that, that written history. I mean, I mean, but prior to that, I feel there was, there was probably a lot, a lot different type of way of being on the planet, but we don't, you know, we don't know as much about that because it's, it's not written down, but. Yeah. You know, maybe that problem, maybe that idea of writing is what has created the problem in some ways. When you think about the ideas of like exact repeatability, sure makes it easy to say that this person was in charge forever, so we have to respect them. You know what I mean? When you're like, wait a minute, who wrote this? Who wrote this garbage down? I don't believe that's not true. I think we should do it this way, you know? And some people get really mad when you say, like, we can't do that. Never work. This is wrong. Like, and in some ways, it's that beautiful human condition of argumentation that leads to the path out. You know, I, I heard another quote that was like the best way out is through and it takes these, these chaotic events, you know, and I think that when you look at a forest being burned down, sometimes it creates that fertile soil for the new saplings to grow and produce fruit. And yeah. I, I'm hopeful that what we're seeing now is the end of winter and the beginning of spring. And I'm really inspired when I see people beginning to create at a level at which you're creating, because that seems to me to be the green shoots. It seems to me to be the buds on the trees that will soon produce fruit is that look, look at the creation happening now and people that are paying attention to this podcast and the world around you. I promise you, if you focus on the growth that's happening, you'll see that winter is behind us and that we're moving into spring and it's, it's pretty beautiful to, to not only see it, and I challenge people that are beginning to see it to begin creating it because the world needs you more than ever to be part of the creation. It needs you to grab one of these ideas, these low-hanging fruit of ideas, and take a bite out of that apple and become part of the creative process that you were here to do. And I, I think it's beautiful. You know, I, We've been talking quite a bit about what's going on in the planet and, and, and the divine feminine. But I think that you have some personal creation that you're working on. You got a new song coming out, or do you have a new album, a new song, or what's going on there? Yeah, I'm just doing singles these days. Um, I'm, I miss the days of full albums. <laughs> I did one, I did one full album, um, but I've been doing singles now. And this next one coming out is called Change Me. And I'm really excited about it because I kind of feel like I'm finally getting my sound down. Um, and that can take a while for an artist, you know, believe it or not. I mean, cause I'm not a producer. I could count on other people to help me, but this song really came. I wrote it about this time last year, going into the fall season, thinking mm -hmm. about <clears throat> just in the fall, you know, we kind of talk about shedding our, shedding our skins, you know, kind of dying off. Um, like you're talking about the spring of the, of I think humanity is what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah. But in terms of just the seasons right now, going into fall, I wrote it as a prayer, kind of like, okay, strip me down, change me. It's called change me. It's like 
the chorus is show me, show me, um, bless the dark, shine the light um, is, is the chorus. So it's like really saying, please show me the way, please change what I really need to change that maybe I can't see. And so um, these new songs coming out of me are definitely, you know, the divines plopping yeah. them in there. So, so I'm excited to release that'll come out in October. Um, nice. Yeah. I wish I had a clip for you, but I don't, I don't have that ready yet, but that's exciting. Um, and then um, I am uh, recruiting right now for my priestess path group program, which is a cohort for women um, doing the divine feminine work who want to, who want to learn and eventually apprentice in, in the group. So I'm, um, I'm calling in sisters who want, who want a group experience and there's individual work um, that comes with that too, with me. And then, and then I'm always open to anyone, men, women, whoever, whoever wants to do one-on-one -on -one work. I'm always opening, open to doing that with folks too, who, who want to work a little differently, you know, who, who, who want, who want the groundedness of the psychology, but, but also really want that uh, teaching and mentoring about spiritual resourcing. Cause I think that's just kind of my gift is to really uh, help people really find their gnosis, you know, the way that they directly connect with the divine um, but it's that we're two or more gathered. There's something about, it's hard to do it by yourself, you know, especially if you've kind of lost that connection and you want to, you know, you need some help getting it back. I feel like that's something I can really assist people with. It's sort of like, I know I have this connection, but like I'm having trouble really making that connection. And sometimes that is just, you know, maybe even listening to a podcast like this is enough, or maybe you need a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, to really sit down and, okay, let's you and I together access your gnosis um, because it's a little easier with someone holding space for you to do it and acting as a conduit, you know, opening up those multidimensional portals so we can access what's really available to us. That's what's exciting to me right now um, with the creativity that's coming in and the healing that I'm seeing people experience. It's like, it's way different than it was like a few years ago. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, I'm really, I'm really hopeful seeing, seeing people really make those, make those leaps. Yeah, me too. It's, it's incredibly inspiring. And whenever you see someone who has decided to blow on the embers of that spark of creativity in their own heart. Like you can see them shine. Like you can see the flame shine through them and it's contagious. It's like it lights a fire in the minds of other men and women around you when you see it and you're like, yeah, I want to be like, how do they get like, what do they do? Let me start talking to that person. And then, and then all of a sudden you're like, here, here's the connection right over here. Just come to this wellspring. Just have a little sip out of here. You know what I mean? It'll totally help you, you know? And, it, it, I think that we're all embarking on these new higher states of awareness and whether you achieve them through breath work, whether you achieve them through prayer, whether you achieve them through creativity, whether you achieve them through like a giant dose of psychedelic mushrooms, however you decide to find this higher state of consciousness, once you've found it, you begin exploring that environment and then it becomes 
it becomes a refuge. It can become a place where you can go to be inspired. It can become Buddha point. It can become a meditation room. It can become this place where you're no longer conditioned to see things in a linear fashion. And once you begin to see the world like that, everything opens up to you and you're like, gosh, the answer was right there the whole time. And for so many people, the answer is it's just right. You just can't see it. It's in that blind spot right over there. But if you just take time to relax your mind and take some deep breaths and maybe talk to somebody, you know, you can begin to see that stuff happen. And it's, you know, it brings up this idea. What, what do you think is happening in these heightened states of awareness? Like, it seems like when you're working with people, you help them get there. Or when you're creating, you're there. But what is it about these heightened states of awareness? Well, I think we're tapping into, not to get too metaphysical, but yeah, multidimensional possibilities. You know, when we're in the linear, we're just kind of looking at it through this very narrow lens and we're not seeing all the many possibilities. So when we have those big psychedelic openings um, through many means, like you said, yeah. It's like we get access to all of that and it's a very expanded state. And so the trick I think is the real trick is then how do we then bring that into the material world and manifest that into something tangible? I think that's the hard part. Um, mm -hmm. Like how do you take the beautiful expanded state that you're in from one of those experiences and hold on to that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the <laughs> Yeah. It's slippery. I don't think you can. I think you, I think the, it's one of those things, the more tighter you try to grab it, the more it slips through your fingers, but I think you can access it. You know, you can go there, you can go to the top of the mountain and look down for a little bit, but you got to come back down and start doing the work. Like it gives you a bird's eye view of what is possible. And you may forget, so many times I've found myself in this state of bliss and just like, you know, like a, I call it the terror before the sacred because it's something that is so beautiful. You're just frightened about it. Like, you know, Peter Pan's like, ah, ah, and then it's gone. And you're like, what the hell was that? And you're like, okay, let me just, let me just think. I had this beautiful, I, I had the answer right there, but it's not meant for you to have. It's meant for you to recreate. So you catch a glimpse of it. And then you're off to go do the work and try to recreate it. No matter how you perfect you think you get it, it'll never be perfect in your mind because it's so slippery. But it's it's supposed to be that way. You get it and you lose it. You get it and you lose it. You get it and you lose it. But that's that's one step in front of the other. That's the creativity process. That's the, the word of the divine. That's the inspiration coming to you. Because the truth is we're not, we're children. We don't, we don't know how to use that gift in a way yet. But we can catch glimpses of it. And in doing so, we can help other people catch glimpses of it. Like we become the catalyst for contagion in some ways. And I think that's what you're doing with so many of your songs and helping people and talking about the way in which you you help people do that. It's you know, there's another as I'm as I'm talking, I I've noticed another thread in your thoughts that seems to weave its way not only through your music, but also through your teaching. And that is this idea that, you know, the song you wrote is about, you know change me. And then prior to that part of the conversation, you would talk about being reborn in your body multiple times. And then that ties in with the theme of 
the, the world has seasons. Do you think that we as individuals go through seasons and grow the same way that the earth grows and moves through seasons? I do. I do. Aren't, aren't we little fractals of the bigger yeah. holographic uh, pattern? Yeah, I do. I mean, and when you think about it, if I mean, I think all spiritual traditions have a creator, right? That, that right. something yeah. created all of this world. Um, so if we're little gods and goddesses, let's say in the image of God, then we're supposed to create like it's what we were put yeah. here to do. Like that's us doing what I think God, God has put us here to do um, is to not get in the, not get in the linear grind of just, um, but, but you're right about it. It being uh, this, I forgot how you put it, but I, my language is like expanding, contracting. I think you said um, how I forget how you said it, but like, yeah, we get all expanded, but we can't stay there. You know, we have to, and that's part of being embodied. Mm-hmm. It's like our work as embodied humans, I think right now yeah. on our planet is to bring more and more of that divine light into our physicality. And so that's kind of the hard thing. You know, we're saying that's kind of the hard part is how do we execute this into the world and make it contagious and spread it? Uh, which which we are, I think we're doing a really good job. Yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's fun. And it's, 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 I wish more people can, I, I believe that more people will begin doing it. It's, it's, I, I see it happening everywhere. And it's so beautiful to know that everybody has their own unique gift to give to the world. If they're willing to believe in themselves enough to do it, you know, and when we all start shining our light, things get pretty bright. yes yes talk about alchemy right yeah absolutely it's what where where did your ideas about wanting to become someone who helps people find a connection to their spirit like where did that come from Well, I can't, I think it came from my own, you know, wounded healers journey Mm. of wanting to heal and be more connected with the divine, more of the time and, you know, struggling at times of feeling very disconnected and very alone and knowing that that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but how do we really, you know, bring that experience of that oneness, that interconnectedness into our bodies. So it was just really kind of a calling to figure that out. Um, Just because I'm such a avid seeker. Um, And I think most of us who are, you know, are, are, are really looking to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. So then it, then it obviously ripples out to others when we're, when we're in a healed, healed enough state, I'll say, since we're always healing, but healed enough state that we can then transmit that to other people. Um, And that's a beautiful thing when we can get there. And like you're saying, the more of us that can get there, then the ripples of that will be very exciting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me to, to talk to people 
and get to hear their stories of how they got to be where they are. And a lot of that times it comes from profound pain or loss or, you know, figuring out how to solve their own problems. And then they finally get to a point where they can share the answers to the test in a way. You know what I mean by that? Like mm -hmm. for, for a lot of people I know it was losing someone and then they talk about how they deal with their grief. And it, I think so much of the human condition is about sharing your pain and the answers to the pain. And sometimes the answer is that there is no answer to the pain. You just have to deal with it, you know, but it's, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the brightest spots that you have noticed in people you've helped? Like, have you, was, is it the fact that they were able to get over things? Was it the, the lessons that they've taught you or what, what are some of the most rewarding things that you get out of helping other people? Oh, the rewarding things for me is really watching people come into their power and their gnosis. Like I said, just mm -hmm. like when we, you know, set it up and, you know, we, you know, I try to, you know, have the right elements there, right. Mm -hmm. To create the container for mm -hmm. divine to come in. Cause that, that is the divine feminine way. We don't go get it. We don't have to go anywhere. It's like right here. And so when we set that up, just watching people, because I don't, I don't even know what's going to happen. You know, it's like, I'm always surprised. It's like, whoa, you, you see that or you're experiencing that. That is so cool because everyone's so unique that I just, I love what I do because I, I see people tap into that and kind of watch them light up with their own divinity. And then like, I really think the trick is just hanging on to that, you know, cause we get mm -hmm. that like in a session or, you know, in yeah. a, in an experience that we're having. Um, and then it's just, you know, we get back into things and we contract back. Um, but that is joyful to see people really find, find their connection. It's just kind of like watching someone plug into a, into a socket, you know, <laughs> and then boom. So. Yeah, it is. It's, it's cool to see them. And, and also to know that you've given someone the tools where they can help themselves. You know, and it seems for a long time, at least in my lifetime, it seems that we as, as people, as a community and a society have, while at times been able to heal people, it seems like all we've, we've focused on and maybe maybe it's been limits of our technology and limits of our understanding and limits of our education that has allowed us to just put patches on people but i really think that this new dimension we're moving into is about no longer patching people but giving them the tools to heal themselves and that that sort of authenticity that sort of self-realization you know like there's a there's self-awareness self-love and self-respect and self-responsibility and those four tools of the self can really help you get a bigger picture of what you need to work on, what's missing in your life, how to call into your life meaningful relationships. But it all starts with, with the self and figuring that or, or like you said, plugging it into that light socket and having that divine light move through you. It's, it's a really wonderful time to be alive and experience the world around you and 
understand that you, you, all of us listening here, we play a giant role in the well-being of others. And you can do that by being kind to yourself and saying a kind word to other people. What, what is your advice for people finding themselves? You know, we can't diagnose or heal everybody. I realize that for people listening, it's not really advice or anything, but you know, maybe there's some tools or tips or tricks that you could give to someone listening who may find themselves doubting themselves or find themselves in some dark spots sometimes. What, what would you say to those people? I would say to go into go into relationship with the divine because sometimes you know I, I talked about it's got to start with you right well sometimes sometimes what's going on inside of us is not very settling it's not grounding we need something external it's just we just do so yeah. in those cases it's a surrendering to the divine through whatever, whatever that looks like for you. It might be calling in your guides and you don't even have to know who they are or, or whatever you think of as divine source energy. Um, you just ask it to be there and you trust that it is there, even if you are having difficulty believing that it's there or connecting with it in any tangible way. And then you can ask, please make this clear to me, please Help me to know you're there. Give me a sign. Give me some indication that you're with me. Um, and I get very specific. I get very <laughs> direct with my guides. It's like, okay, will you please hold me? Will you please heal me right now? Like, I need some help. Uh, oh, wow. So I think just be real direct with your intention and ask for exactly what you need from whatever, you know, whatever source feels like the highest for you. And um, I, I think our higher selves, sometimes that is the best source to go to um, because we, I mean, I believe we are part of God. We are part of the bigger universe. So when we call in our higher self, it's kind of like ourself as an ascended master or something, you know, yeah. like it's you, it's your soul. So um, sometimes that can work um, really well. If we're not, maybe we're not feeling super connected to like a deity or, or, right. or a, or a uh, some bigger source, but your higher self, you just say, Hey, can I talk to me? when I've already made it to the other side. <laughs> I love that. I, lo I, I like that a lot. I think there's something to be said about being clear. I like the way you use the word clarity because it's really easy to get distracted when you're in tough times and sometimes calling that higher version of yourself and being very clear on what you need help with is what brings about those answers. Sometimes it's just the fact that we were wallowing in this in this self-pity sometimes or this problem that we have is we've made it so big we've decided we can't do anything about it and when you've decided you can't do anything about it you find yourself constantly distracted from the answer that could be in front of you because you've already decided you can't do anything about it but if you get clear about it look there's always something you can do it may not be the answer it may not be what you want but no matter what situation in 
There's always something you can do. It might be small. It might be taking a break. It might be going for a walk. It might be saying, I'm sorry. It might be using kinder inner dialogue with yourself, but there's always something you can do. And if, if I had to give a takeaway to someone that was listening and finding themselves in despair, it's that don't say things like, there's nothing I can do. Change that out with, okay, there's got to be something I can do. And as soon as you say that, you'll figure out, okay, I just need a drink of water. You know, but there, there's always something you can do. And usually it comes from conversations with other people when you're ready or finding people like you or sometimes listening to music, you know, like, like you put out there. And I, I think these are all great answers. And I think people have gotten to get a pretty good snapshot of why you are such a unique creator and why the songs you sing are inspiring and why they should go and check out your page and why they should reach out to you if they find themselves in need of a little bit of uh, guidance on a path, you know, but what is there before I let you go though, Jenna, where can people find you? What do you have coming up and what are you excited about? So people can find me pretty easily at jennalongmire.com is my website. Um, and I have social media of uh, my music, Jenna Longmire Music, and then the Tree of Life Priestess Temple. And that's where I'm doing my group work and my practice. Um, so I am very excited uh, to be doing more music. <clears throat> I'm calling it Sacred Roots Music, Gospel for the oh, New Earth. <laughs> I like a, it. I like it. And then, and then with the uh, the individual healing work, mentoring, and group work, um, you know, you can find me there. And yeah, please reach out. I'm excited. Like I said, about I'm going to do an open house Sunday for my group program, and then we'll have another open house later in the month at, at a later time time frame um, in the day. Uh, in the later in the, the month, you can check out the website for for when those open houses are. I'm doing an autumn equinox in person circle here in Nashville, um, and I have a monthly online offering called Energy Magic. And so all of those are on my website. So there's ways to jump in and experience this work um, and kind of dip a toe in. So, and just, yeah, don't be afraid to just email me either and ask me what's going on. Um, but thanks. For, thank you for asking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I am, I am excited to, to spread, to spread this uh, divine feminine and creative wisdom in the world just because, because we so need it and, and we need what you're doing too. I appreciate it thank very, you. very much. Yeah, well, it's it's mutual. I I think that all of us have the ability to create something and share conversations and shine lights on other people's ideas, and in doing so, we amplify it and we make it better for everyone. And I think that's part of the way in which we're moving in this creator economy. And you know what? As, before I let you go, I, when we think about the creator economy, like maybe there's people out there, Jenna, that wanna that have written a song or they want to put it out there, but they're afraid. Me, like. Maybe you could just give some people some ideas about your path, about how you've decided to create and put music out there and, and maybe some tips for someone that like a younger version of you or me that's thinking about doing that, but quite hasn't taken that step yet. Like what, could, what advice could you give to them? 
Well, for me, um, I needed I needed lots of support and encouragement. <laughs> that was yeah. that's just me, you know. So so I sought mentors out. I really did. Yeah. And um, so what I did was I found someone who was a songwriter and a vocal coach, and I went and did some sessions with her. Um, her name's Kathy Kiavala here in Nashville, and I said do you think I've got it? Like, can I do this? And she's like, Oh, hell yeah. Like you can do this. And so it was just that one person believing in me. Um, and then I found other people to encourage me. And it, it to me, it takes a village because yeah. being a creative brings about a lot of self-doubt. Uh, I mean, so I would have stopped myself a million times if I hadn't had, somebody saying no you you can do this um and 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 then you have to build up a tough skin because not everybody's gonna like it you know and that's okay Um, yeah that comes with the territory without a doubt but it's it's um it's so liberating and beautiful and to see where you start and where you end up is a beautiful look at the journey and so everybody go check her out go go listen to the music Check out the offer she has online. If you're in Nashville, check out the open house. Check out everything she has to provide. I think she's a beautiful soul who's creating positive change in the world. And I think if you do some investigations, you will find the very same thing. So, Jenna, thank you so much for your time today. Hang on one sec. I'll talk to you briefly afterwards. But to all the people that are out there today on this wonderful Friday, I hope that you realize that there's a small miracle getting ready to happen in your life if you're willing just to take the time to see it. And try to be the light in other people's lives. Try to say something kind. Try to do something beautiful. And just know that those I, those those ideas of God or the ideas of the feminine or whatever ideas that are out there to inspire, they're looking for people to pour themselves into. So be that person. Be that container that can be poured into today. So that's all we got for today. Ladies and gentlemen, aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. 
take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.